Blog Talk Radio. Trundlebed Tales, the podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder, historic foodways, one-room schools, and other social history. This is Sarah Utah, the host and creator of Trundlebed Tales. Find us around the web under Trundlebed Tales and on your favorite social media platform. If you listen or just have an account on iTunes, please leave positive feedback because that helps people find the show. And this is episode 129, Come Visit Laura Ingalls Wilder. And it is going to be taking a trip in Laura fandom, or rather planning a trip, because we are going to be uh, doing sort of the first steps. If you're looking on planning a trip this summer, now is the time to start thinking about it. And with that, let's do a little housekeeping. And that is to remind you that you can be part of the show. Call in at 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll free 1-877-633-9389. That's toll free one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine and I will also uh, give uh, give you a heads up here I have been having some issues with the toll-free number uh, it's been doing a couple weird things so if you are calling in and can't get through try the regular number which you know if you're calling on your cell phone these days it shouldn't really make a difference. But that number again is 714-242-5253. I also have chat open right now, and we really would like you to uh, chat in or give us a call or uh, whatever. And if you don't want to do it today, that is fine. I am, as part of this series, going to be doing – an episode, I hope, towards the end of the year about your favorite Laura Ingalls Wilder tips and tricks, things that people don't normally see, things that people you found out that is a little different. So I'm really hoping to get enough of those to do a whole call-in show at the end of the year. And we will see how that works. But I want you to be thinking about what would you like people to know most about your Laura trip um, and as part of trying to plan there? In terms of what's going on this month uh, in March, there is going to be another episode of this show. I'm hoping Sunday. I'm not sure because this week was World Read Aloud Week or uh, World Read Week, World Book Week. Um, you know, 
it's this week anyway. And I am going to be doing a reading episode, but those are just a half hour. And I think today's is going to be a, a little bit longer. And today was the day when I had time. So we're doing the longer episode today. We'll do the shorter episode sometimes next week. The last one I just did was on honeybees. And if you didn't want to listen to that part about honey, the very last part of the episode, I asked him about Pa and the honeybee tree. Uh, what Pa did that was right, what Pa did was wrong, what he actually would have been bringing back to the cabin and how they would have had to process it. So I thought that was really very interesting. Uh, but I wanted to make sure we got the honey information first because I didn't figure a lot of people knew that. So listen to that if you didn't in just the last 15 minutes or so if you didn't want to listen to the opening part. And we're going to have another crossover episode like that, I think, sometime this spring. But they have not said yes yet. So we will have to see about that. Uh, the other thing going on this uh, month is that the South Dakota Historical Society Press, uh, they are the people that put out the Pioneer Girl books the original annotated Pioneer Girl, and then their trilogy of books that are a follow-up to it. And they are currently having a sale. Now, they only have book in the first two books of the trilogy. That's all that's out now, so there's three books. Uh, and they are having a sale right now for, they're calling it Hurt Books. But what these are are damaged books, books that have been damaged enough that they don't think that they should be able to charge their, their normal amount for them. So depending on how much is damaged, I think would affect what the price is you're paying, but they think it's gonna be somewhere around $60 for all three books. So if you haven't gotten one before because you think they're too pricey because boing, they are a little pricey, uh, or if you have wanting another set so you can you know, mark it all up or, uh, you know, put notes everywhere or make notes of things that you want to be sure to look back for. This, this is a set to do that that won't cost as much. And um, it sounds like a lot of them are from Amazon Returns and that a lot of the damage actually was done in shipping. So it doesn't sound like it's going to be water damage or anything like that. It's going to be more... Um, just kind of things that happen to books when they're being shipped and not wrapped properly. So uh, that's what the sale is. And I, you know, if you already have a set of the books and you're fine, that's, don't worry about it. If you only want pristine books, don't worry about it. If you're into anything else, this sale's for you. It's going to be going on until they are out of the books. So if you are interested, do it sooner rather than later. And I have a blog post about that on my site. Another thing happening this month is that March is the first month where we have a home site opening. Mansfield usually opens in March. And the other ones usually kind of come along a little later, a lot of them right at the end of May. But this is the beginning of the new Laura season, which is making it the perfect time to uh, 
come on and do this planning episode, which I have been meaning to do for quite a while. I've been talking about doing more travel episodes, and this is the start of that. Oh, and if you enjoyed my Disney episodes, which I've probably done, I don't know, three or four of them over the years, there's going to be another one coming up next month because I am going to be going to Disney with my brother and his family because my nephew was going down to Disney and originally he was supposed to play in a parade there. Right now, we have heard from the people leading the tour both that he is going to be in the parade and that he is not. I mean, let's say the, the school is going to be in the parade and the school is not going to be in the parade. So no idea if that's going to actually happen, but we are going down and uh, it is going to be, I think, a fun trip. We're looking at it just as a bonus trip because this is mostly about going down to see my nephew, but I will be glad to report on that back to all of you. So that will probably be um, my April episode. That's just me talking. And I think that's about all that I have to say. Oh, if you are looking for a speaker, remember that you can uh, always check with me. And I speak both in person and online. So with that, let's go back here and and our housekeeping. Where this episode actually started from was quite a while back. And this was, oh gosh, this might have even been around 2000. It's been quite a while. Oh, that's a long time. Anyway, um, at that time, there really wasn't a lot of Laura Ingalls Wilder um, travel material out there. There would, most years, there'd be kind of one overall episode talking about visiting the home sites uh, in the newspapers and would go out to all the different newspapers. There would be occasionally, you know, a more in-depth article or an article that appeared in some kind of more national publication like the New York Times or uh, the AAA magazine something like that. But there really wasn't a lot. In fact, if you go back to the 1960s, there is a series of articles that was done uh, that were reports from the home sites because people had no idea where they were or that there were things to do and see there. It was really, um, people just didn't know. Now, you can say that was because they're, you know, people didn't have the internet back then. I meet people today who have no idea that there are museums and that they can go to the places Laura Ingalls Wilder lived, which I actually can kind of understand that to some point. There was a series of, well, it, I actually only found out it was a series later, but it was some picture books that my grandmother had. Uh, well, it's a picture book. She had the first one in the series. Uh, when she had, when she was a little kid, and it was just like this super special thing. And with all the book buying I do online and stuff, it never occurred to me 
that I could find this book online because it was just such a special thing. And I think it's like visiting Laura like that is just like that for some people that it just, you can't click in that this is just an ordinary thing that people can get. Uh, and if you want to know, the book was Coralie Crothers, who had no sisters nor any brothers. And I could do the whole poem for you, but I'm sure you don't want that. Anyway, so that is something that uh, you still run into today, that people don't know about these home sites. But uh, before you plan Laura Travel, there are a lot more things now. All the home sites have websites. There's a list of them on my blog, and I will add that in the description show notes down below. And there's also books. I strongly recommend The Little House Guidebook. There were three editions of it. It really doesn't matter which one you get. There wasn't a lot of update between the three of them. Uh, It was Frankly, it was often how the pictures were shown was the big difference. But any of the three of them, they were written by Bill Anderson, William T. Anderson, and he knows more about the modern history of the home sites than anybody else. And it is really a good description of all the things there are to see. Now, Is everything in there still available to see? No, sadly not. Things have this and that have changed. And some things have been replaced by newer things, some of that for the good, some of that for the bad. So um, it's just kind of giving you an idea of all the things that are uh, available. So I strongly recommend that uh, you get a hold of a copy of that if you can but saying that is quite a bit outdated now. Do not trust things in it like um, the prices for things or the hours for things or anything like that. You got to double check anything that might materially impact your trip. But in terms of getting an overview, that is the best book there is. Now, there's also a book by Evelyn Thurman, which was out quite a while before um, Bill Anderson's book came out. And it wasn't really designed to be a travel book, but it was a report on her visit to the home site in the 60s, the 70s, and 80s, depending on when you have an ed- your edition is from her book. And it really kind of, the, it is quite dated now also, a lot more dated than Bill's book. But it tells you a lot about the history of the site and some more of the deep digging things that it might not occur to you to look for. So I really do recommend those two things. I also would recommend that you keep a journal. Now this was a lot easier when I wasn't having to do the driving, but I really think that it's important if possible to take along a notebook to write in your experiences. What did you do then? What did you do each day? Did you get to see the pageant this trip? Did you have any questions that were answered? Do you have any new questions that you should follow when you get home? So my first recommendation is to get at least one notebook 
I have two. Although one of them, sadly, I do not get to update very often because driving can't write. But uh, it's a um, sort of more formal report of what I did. And the other one is sort of my quick writing down things in terms of questions and drawing um, floor plans and little sketches of how things work. So those are kind of your first things you want. I also recommend that no matter how you're traveling, that you get paper state maps or an atlas of um, maps. Now, it's, I know people can be traveling different ways, but honestly, the vast majority of people are going to have to be driving at some point. And you need paper maps both to give you an overview of where you are because it is very easily, it is very easy for your um, electronic digital GPS system to suddenly decide it would be easy, better for you to go left when what you really wanted to do was go straight and you end up in a different county than you thought, which has happened to me before. Not on war trip because I generally, well, actually it happened once on a war trip, but anyway. You want a map, paper map, so you can see where you are, and you can also see what county you're in, because your little road direction things almost are never showing you the county. And the Midwest has Midwestern weather. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing, but when we do have storms, we have storms. And the storms are usually bad enough that you want a little warning. So there are watches and things that are watches and warnings go by county. And if you don't know what county you're in, they're not going to say this particular piece of I-90 usually. They're going to say, you know, it's in um, Kingsbury County. And so you have to know the difference. So I always recommend having a paper map too. All right, so now I am going to take you through a list of questions that I had. When I put this list together, it was originally for a class I taught on planning a Lauren Ingalls Wilder trip. And I actually had thought of using it to create sort of a workbook for people planning a trip, but it's a lot of people have come out with travel guides. And I haven't, I haven't even gotten them all read. There's one that I really should read, and I haven't gotten it done yet. But there's enough of them out that I don't think we really need another one. I still kind of like the workbook idea, but I decided that I would use the questions in here. And if anybody says, yeah, that would be a great workbook, I might work on putting it together. But I really, I've got enough other projects that I don't think I'm going to. So I'm going to run through the questions. All right. First question. Do I want a big experience or an intimate one? Now, events used to be a lot bigger than they are now. That isn't true just of Laura sites. It is true of pretty much everywhere. There were a lot more events and a lot more people coming to events 
than there used to be. It has just, it, it has really impacted a lot of events across all sorts of different subjects. So do you, so don't be overwhelmed by that. When I was, well, it wasn't the first trips I took. When I was getting ready to take uh, additional trips, when I got a little older, I was kind of cautious to want to go to the Laura home sites during an event because at that point I worked at Usher's Ferry Historic Village and at Usher's Ferry, it was pretty common that we would get 2,000 people uh, in for an event weekend. And Usher's Ferry, well, actually it's a little smaller now than it was then thanks to two floods, but it, it was basically a village green with a ring of houses and stores around it. So it was not a big space. I was used to dealing with, when people said events, that's what I thought of. Um, or, you know, the state fair, the Iowa State Fair, which is one of the biggest fairs, the West attended fairs in the country. That's our state fair we went mostly every year. So when I think events, I think just tons of people. And that's really not true with Laura events. Um, maybe it used to be, but for the most part, I have been to a lot of Laura events now, and there's only been one where I really felt that kind of crush that there was too many people, that there were lines for all the bathrooms, that there were you know, no decent place to park, uh, that there they were selling out of things in the stores. And that was the Walnut Grove TV show reunion event in, in uh, 2014. But other than that, it really, I, I wouldn't worry that you felt it would be too big of a, a deal. There would be too many people around. Because me, I live in the country. I like space. I do not like to have tons of people. So that I say that it isn't going to be overwhelming. You know, you don't have to worry about it. But it is a very different experience to go on a weekday afternoon when you're like the only ones on a tour and to go in on a pageant weekend where, for instance, in, in Mansfield, they a lot of times will go to a system of instead of guiding people through on tours, they will give you a like brochure of the tour and then just have people stationed in the house to make sure that you know people aren't doing things that they shouldn't, but are you know give up on trying to do much in the way of um, formal tour. So there's a big difference between those two experiences, even if it isn't terribly crowded. It's going to be a difference. And it kind of depends what you want. I really think that if you can, it's good to plan more than one Laura trip because it is, they're both really good experiences. A lot of times during events, there will be things going on that you can't get any other time. In Pepin at the Laura Days, one of my favorite things was they had a horse-drawn wagon. And they got to, you, you get in there and you ride around 
I don't know, it's probably six blocks or so, but that kind of feeling that you're back in time and you're just hearing the horses clip clop and you're riding along, it, it's just such a great thing. And you can't do that if you aren't there on the pageant weekend. No, the, the, I'm sorry, they don't have a pageant on the, the Laura Days weekend. So there's always neat things to do that you would not get a chance to do if you were there by yourself. They're just two different experiences. And if you only think you're going to be able to go once, you have to pick which one you think sounds more appealing to you. My second question, do I want to travel with friends or family or by myself? And again, this is a question that could, depending on your situation, uh, you could be really already, um, you could be already having an answer to this just because there is no other way to do it depending on your particular situation. When you go with friends or family, a lot of times you are going to have to make concessions on a Laura trip. Because if you have other people in your family that are just as excited about it as you, you are very lucky and go with them while you can. Uh, but most of the time you've got people with you that are willing to go because they know you like Laura, but they're kind of like, yeah, what's the next thing on the schedule? But on the plus side, you get to share that with the people that you love most or with a good friend. You have somebody there to take pictures of you. If you go wading in Plum Creek, that is a wonderful experience. If you go wading in Plum Creek and get a picture uh, that someone can take of you there, that is a definite plus. I had... If you've seen my walking in Plum Creek video, I have the log take a picture of me. That is how how uh, limited you are sometimes when you're by yourself. But uh, it's a definite advantage. If you are by yourself, a lot of times you have an easier time working your way into things, especially if you can be a talkative person because you might talk to the home site people a little bit more. You know, if it's just one person and if it's a group, uh, you would have all the time you wanted so you could have longer conversations, you know, assuming it works for them. You would, when you go to restaurants or whatever to eat, you would have be more likely to talk to locals. Uh, which can really make a big impact on your trip. So there's, again, advantages each way. You just have to think, well, first off, can I do it myself or can I do it just with my family? And then do you want to do it yourself or do you want to do it with family? And a lot of times people are nervous. Uh, especially women, are nervous about having to go someplace themselves. I personally, in the Midwest, do not worry about that so much. But um, I went to New York on a trip a few years ago, and I was very glad that a friend of mine, who I know is not listening to this podcast because she was friends from a totally different source, but I had a friend of mine that I was going to room with there, and that made a lot of difference to have people there that you could talk to. So I, I perfectly understand if people are concerned about driving themselves 
And that's another good reason to go with family or friends. So this sort of depends on what makes you comfortable and what uh, what do you prefer. If you're you know, someone who's a little owner that would think that driving for a long while by yourself, listening to a book on tape or planning something in your head uh, is the way to go, then you can certainly do that. Next question, number three, how much am I willing to spend? That is a good idea to have definitely set in mind before you go. I am a Laura Ingalls Wilder collector. I spend too much every time I go. In my main presentation, I have a picture of me with this little bitty bag. And that was what I got the first time I went to the Smet was this little bitty bag. I think it had some postcards in it. When I go now, a lot of the time I've got like two or three grocery bags that I'm carrying. I'm a completist and I can't help it. Uh, But even I do not get some of the stuff that they have that is just pricey. And pricey does not mean not worth it. It could be that you think having a color-changing sweatshirt of Smet is well worth the price, which totally is well worth the price uh, that uh, you get at the Loftus store. But you might well get some sticker shock on some of these things. Um, To some extent, it depends on the home site gift shop that you are in, which one it is, but there are going to be some uh, sticker price shocks in pretty much any of them. So make sure you have a budget first. Uh, Be aware that a lot of the home sites will have similar things, but there will be enough of a variation that once you start, you are going to be compelled to buy more of them. The stuffed jacks, for instance. I have an entire aquarium of stuffed jacks. And I know there were more over the years because I don't get to all the home sites every year. And they quite often change the jack every year. But it's just, you know, once you've bought a couple stuffed jacks and they're sitting there looking at you out with those big eyes out of the bin, it's very hard to walk right by. Uh, So if you're going to buy something, it's good to have a price. It's good to kind of have a limit on the things. I used to not ever buy Laura dolls. Somebody asked me to do a Laura doll presentation once, and I have now crossed the Rubicon, but uh, it, that used to be a rule I had. And it might be good to think about that. Like you might want to just get T-shirts and not sweatshirts if you want something like that or you're going to get one sweatshirt per trip, or you want to get, um, you know, a shot glass at each place or a magnet at each place. And it just is helpful to kind of have that in mind and think of it first. Now, you can look at the home sites. Uh, They have, most of them have an online version of their store. I will say that For the most part, these are not very complete 
on my door. I really thought when I first opened them up, I usually do not buy online unless I know something specific. So I don't spend a lot of time just, you know, browsing through. And I have found lately several things that I know the different home sites have that aren't on their online page. And when I talk to them, yeah, they, that isn't everything. But it could give you an idea of uh, what prices might be. So you can get that budget set a little better. Uh, you'll also need money. As I said, you're most likely going to have to take a car for at least part of it. So, you know, there's the renting a car expenses, there's gas. Uh, you're going, for the most part, to be spending night in hotels or on um, or camping. So there's going to be expenses for all of that kind of thing. You're probably going to be eating out at restaurants quite a bit. And while that isn't, you know, th this is the Midwest, and it usually isn't all that expensive to get food, but it is a cost, and it's an ongoing cost that you probably do not experience when you're at home. So make sure you have your budget worked out before you go. Uh, can you stay in this hotel or would you have to go to the cheaper one? Does this town have a hotel in it at all? Um, are you okay camping? If you are, what do you need for that? That kind of thing. So that's going to go on a little bit to my next question. How and what are we going to eat? Now, in the Midwest, uh, we have, in small town Midwest, and I guess I should say that about the home site towns, I wanted someone argue with me about Mansfield being um, a fairly big Laura site. And Wright, uh, Mansfield is not the county seat of Wright County. And so it isn't, a lot of times county seats are the biggest um, biggest city in the county, but um, Mansfield, you know, it has a hotel, it has multiple restaurants, it has two ways to get on the four-lane interstate that goes right by outside of town. You are like, and I didn't look up how long it was going to take. I want to say 15, 15, 20 minutes away from a McDonald's. And while I personally like McDonald's, I quite often use that as landmarks because it kind of tells you the size of an area. Uh, if there is a McDonald's, that means it's a fairly big sized town as opposed to a town that just has a Casey's or has a, sort of a less big fast food or doesn't have any restaurants at all. So look and sort of get a feel for what the home site towns you're going to are going to have to offer. And like I say, you go to Mansfield, you're going to have a lot of choices. Uh, you go to Baroque and there's one, unless you drive down to Decorah, you go to uh, Spring Valley, and there's a couple. It, it's just, it really depends where you are. It's also good as you're planning your trip to look for big towns, which I did on 
the trip to South Dakota I took with my brother's family a couple years ago, and I told them, knowing the picky kind of eaters they are, I said, uh, let's stop in Brookings on the way through because they have quite a few different restaurants and we can you know get something and you like it. And he said, oh, it's too early. Well, it was kind of early. But no, no, we'll eat and we get to the Smet. And then we got to the Smet and they were like, well, what do you mean there aren't any other restaurants? And I was, you know, that's what I said. Now, personally, I find there's plenty of eating Smet. I'm not, I, I'm not um, saying there isn't. I'm just saying if you're traveling with picky eaters, looking for the big town coming up might be a good idea. You're also going to be driving by places where uh, there may not be a lot of options. As I mentioned before, Casey's. Casey's is a garage. Casey's is a gas station with a convenience store. The convenience store often sells pizza, and then they have other, you know, packaged foods. And that sometimes I have been to quite a few towns where that is sort of the restaurant in town. That isn't only true of the Laura home sites, but as you're driving around from one to the other, you could well find yourself in a town like that. But in most places, there are going to be grocery stores, and if you would rather buy food and on the go, you could sure do that. Uh, if you want to eat someplace and it's too early, you think you can always buy to go and drive a little further. There's lots of nice spots that you can take picnics or things like that. But uh, think ahead in terms of what there is. Now, as this series of post of uh, episodes goes on, I'm going to do an episode about each home site town. And when I talk about it, I'm going to give you a little bit better idea about what there is there currently, or as current as I can know, uh, for restaurants and things like that, and uh, grocery stores, and gas stations, if that's the, the place to get food. Consider that in your budget. Another thing to plan, do you have a little girl? Does the little girl want to be Little Miss Laura? Now, quite a few of the home sites have this contest on their festival days. Uh, so um, Independence does, Pepin, Walnut Grove, I think the Smet does. There's, uh, I'm trying to remember if Mansfield did the last time I was there. I'm not sure, but a little Miss Laura, for the most part, is sort of a symbolic thing. It's a contest the day of. They often, you have to have a little Miss Laura dress, and then they will ask you questions about, you know, about what happened in the books or why you think you're like Laura and that kind of thing. They also often, not always, but often, will have a young Almanzo contest to go with it. Pepin has cousin Charlie. He's the one who got stung by all the wasps. Uh, and you'll see different things like that. It, 
I think would be really fun. The people I have talked to that are of um, the people who I've talked to are of the right age. Now, I really like it. Now, I know I really shouldn't do this, but that is my brother, and there may be trouble. So I am going to actually call this the episode, and we will have to do a part two. I'm sorry. Have a good day. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.